two men of color vanished after last being seen in the same deputy's patrol car. I knew something was wrong. The mother knows. It's the strangest case, the most unsettling case. Listen to The Last Ride podcast, part of the NPR Network. Nuclear. Now, is it Crick or Creek? Coyote or Coyote? Sometimes I say library. Welcome to You're Saying It Wrong. I'm Fletcher Powell, and each episode we turn to the people who literally wrote the book on this, sister and brother team Kathy and Ross Petrus, and we'll dive into what we get wrong and sometimes what we get right when we try to speak this weird English language. You know, the other day I sent Kathy and Ross a, an email that had a tweet in it that I had seen. And it brought up something that I've seen quite a lot. And apparently the two of you haven't seen this at all, but but you certainly will now that I've mentioned it to you. Uh, I think it was a tweet from David Gura, who is a reporter for NPR. And he was, he was reporting on uh, something going on in the House of Representatives where they were talking to people about bank runs and cryptocurrency and that sort of thing. And uh, Superintendent Adrian Harris was talking to Representative Maxine Waters and said this, quote, it is a misnomer that the failure of Signature Bank was related to crypto. She instead called it a new-fashioned bank run. I'm not actually interested in the new-fashioned bank run, although that's kind of an, an interesting phrase, but rather that she said it is a misnomer that the failure of Signature Bank was related to crypto. Now, I assume the two of you, if you'd just seen that sentence, you would understand that that is not the correct usage, correct? Well, it's a new it's a new fashioned usage. Yes, of the word misnomer. <laughs> so it you is. You could say <laughs> definitely. So I've seen this a lot uh, using the word misnomer instead to mean misunderstanding. Now, a, a misnomer, I mean, literally in its name, there is, is something that's misnamed. Right, we're using the Correct. wrong the wrong word for something. You know, a Latin background in a word isn't isn't the be all and end all because words change meaning and they change them away from Latin. But misnomer hasn't changed its meaning. And it does come from Latin, mis, which is uh, wrong, and nomer, uh, nominare, as you would be in Latin, to name. So it's misnamed. So it literally means, and it, then and now, it means an error in a name, a mistaken identification. It's usually used in law, I think, uh, of an accused or a convicted person, but it's also generally used for mistaken naming. So in this case, the failure of Signature Bank was not the fact that the banks was they had the wrong name. It was something else. So it was it's not correct. The thing that interested me is after Fletcher, you emailed us, I looked it up because I have not seen it. I mean, and, and that is wrong. But what got so I was looking for more examples. I was like, hey, have I been missing this? And I did find more. But that said, I found a few, though, that were kind of fuzzy that I'm wondering if you're seeing the blurring, like where it, it almost looked wrong. Of course, I didn't save any of them. I'm right now realizing I didn't. But it was like almost wrong, but not quite. There was something, um, it was about robot umpires. I, I'm a baseball fan. And it was about, um, uh, someone was talking about like, well, that's a, that's a mis, they're, they're, it's a misnomer, blah, 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 blah. And it wasn't really, I mean, they are going to be, theoretical robot umpires but they're not like going to be these like rah, 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 standing behind home plate going you know strike one strike two so it kind of I, I feel like you're seeing the blur you know what I mean do you know what I'm going to jump in here because I when we said it I'm looking at the at the sentence that Fletcher sent us and oddly enough even you know we said earlier you know things change meanings change I kind of like the word 
how it's used, quote, incorrectly by Adrian Harris. Like, it is a misnomer that the failure of Signature Bank was related to crypto. Okay, let's let's take out misnomer. What would we say instead? Misunderstanding. Do you like that as much as misnomer? Much more. You do? <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. Okay, you know what I like? I like the failure of Signature Bank was not related right. to crypto better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But I agree with you, Ross, kind of. I actually, because to me, okay, I know Fletcher is going to like, this is a case where Fletcher is being on the side of like prescriptivism. I'm fascinated. But because to me, you're saying, you're right, misunderstanding. But you're saying, if you take the failure of Signature Bank was related to crypto and make that in effect a a, a clause, a a whole unit then it is a misnomer. Oh, you're saying the name is, it's it was named wrongly. Yeah. Named wrong. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying, but I think on a more general basis, Fletcher said misunderstanding. Misunderstanding has shades to me of things like, oh, we just had a misunderstanding. It's like, a, it's an emotional thing. Misnomer to me has like a very specific thing. It's a mistake. The mistake has, misunderstanding to me has a feeling of like Fletcher and... And I had a misunderstanding because Fletcher was not as mean to me. That mm. sort of thing. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, I don't have that uh, emotional connection, I guess, to the word misunderstanding that you do. <laughs> You've had a good life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, couldn't you just say it is a mistake to think the failure that's of Signature Bank? That's what I was going to say. I yeah, think you that's could. actually the best. It's a mistake to say or a mistake to think that. Blah. Yeah, that's actually fine. I prefer that. But oddly enough, I just... Okay, I'm going to still do a last-ditch defense here. <laughs> it doesn't really bother me because, like, name, you know, name and nomen, name, word, idea, noun, sort of as Kathy said, the whole idea, the failure, we're, we're naming that thing wrong. It's not a failure. You know, it wasn't wrong. Okay, now I'm going to now flip and go back to Fletcher's side and say, no, that's bad. <laughs> Misnomer means misnamed. Uh, no, actually... It's, it's a very specific term, and why are we doing this? There's other things you can say easily. Misnomer means it's right there, misnamed. No, no, meh, meh, bad, bad, bad. Okay, Kathy, that's it for me and you. We're, we're done. <laughs> you are we having a misnomer, Ross? <laughs> <laughs> no, we're having a misunderstanding. Yes, very well said. <laughs> I mean, that that's what you were saying there, Kathy, is really why it bothers me. It, it, it's because misnomer still means something i mean specific Mm -hmm. right it Mm -hmm. and and when we're blurring things like that it does throw me off for a second at least a second and and make things a little too blurry and vague um as as i have to then figure out what they are actually saying exactly i agree so maybe in 30 years or whatever misnomer will mean misunderstanding more concretely and it'll be easier to know what people are saying but but when we're when we have a specific meaning that is still used quite often, then using mm-hmm. it to mean something else, even if that's becoming more common, is still confusing. See, I don't think it's particularly confusing, though. Also, I'm going to throw in a little bit of background. In the 1630s, it was used to be basically also mean a wrong designation. Yeah, but so all we those can people say that... are dead wrong, so, so we don't yeah, care. <laughs> but long I think, but I do think the one thing is about this is you know we both we all say that we're kind of uh, 
modified liberal prescriptivists. We're not amazingly in favor of making rules. Or we're not amazingly in favor of breaking rules. But the one thing about this one, it doesn't do any harm. I think we instantly, I don't think it does cause confusion. I read this. I said to myself, misnomer is wrong, but I understood completely what Superintendent Harris was saying. Yeah, but it's sloppy. I honestly looked first for what the misnomer was. I looked to see which of those words might be incorrect. And then I realized in the larger sense, oh, she meant misunderstanding. Wow, that's really interesting. You're really a very, you're very much, uh, uh, you look at at every word in that. I'm a sloppy reader. I just kind of go, yeah. I found my example that was, that I said, it's a, it's a sports thing. It's about MLB, Major League Baseball. And this was fascinating because the commissioner used it properly and the article skewed it incorrectly they he he was talking about there was a misnomer robot umpires is a misnomer Mm -hmm. they said mlb commissioner discussed a common misnomer baseball fans have regarding robotic umpires oh my which is wrong he was saying though it's a misnomer because they're not a literal i use his terms here it's not a literal robot umpire so he was saying it is a misnomer that would be a misnomer they're taking it wrong and they and they even said here they he, he cleared up what he called a misnomer, but now they're saying it wrong, like as if he was a silly guy. You know yeah, what I mean? They're using it as misunderstanding when what he said was correct. Correct. Well, there we go. There that actually answers my question or my posit. I mean, because you guys are saying now we have an example where it, there was a misunderstanding used here. So I mean, with using misnomer. So I think I'm going to reluctantly backtrack and go, okay, I'll agree. We'll stick with misnomer, meaning misnomer. Ask me again in a few decades. Yeah, <laughs> yep. we we'll will. Like, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> By then, we'll have robotic uh, something else. Yeah. Well, we'll we may- probably have AI doing the podcast. That's true. <laughs> when we need to be here. So. I'll be taller and cleverer. <laughs> <laughs> now, moving along, we've got uh, this it's been an interesting week. We got a mound of emails on, guess what? SpaceX Starship rocket explosion. Oops, I made a mistake. Did I say explosion? <laughs> Silly you, Ross. How old-fashioned. <laughs> this one was because, actually, we had just done the thing about uh, uh, bureaucraties. So talk about great timing, not the explosion. It's Excuse me, not the explosion, but we'll go into it. But that's why we got all these emails saying, you guys had to hear this, of course, and of course we did. It was the SpaceX tweet that has become memed all over the joint, saying, as if the flight test was not exciting enough, Starship experienced a rapid, unscheduled disassembly before stage separation. (laughs) Rapid, unscheduled disassembly. (laughs) And then it's like the gift that keeps on giving when it comes to explosions or disassemblies. A Russian Su-34 fighter, the Russian defense minister, announced that, um, well, let's put it this way. It experienced, it had an abnormal descent of aviation ammunition over uh, civilian residential buildings. In other words, it bombed some buildings. Oh, but it's even better, Ross. I'm sorry, I'm going to interrupt you for one second because I like the fact that they say occurred, which even makes it even more distanced. Oh, you're it's right, an abnormal descent of aviation ammunition occurred. <laughs> Can I stop you both for one moment? Kathy, would, would you read that phrase again? 
an abnormal descent of aviation ammunition occurred. I'm sorry. The, the, back up to the one that we're talking about, um, the, the not explosion explosion. Oh, I didn't. I said disassembly, not disassembly. Yeah, exactly. Oh, gosh. You both, you, oh. you, you both did, as a matter of fact. Ah, as if the flight test was not exciting enough, Starship experienced a rapid unscheduled disassembly. Yes. Before stage separation, which is the key. It's not disassembly is lying, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Dissembling is lying. <laughs> disassembly is taking it apart. They were kind of dissembling when they. <laughs> yes, they were. <laughs> but you know, on this, I, I was really, you know, everyone's laughing at it, and we're, and we did certainly laughed at it too, and we both went, "Why would you do this?" And but it's funny. This morning, I was sort of thinking about it. Because it just seems stupid and dumb. You know, it exploded. The rocket exploded. You know, we know it. They know it. But I began to think about it. And in a way, I can sort of see in a very horrible way why they do say unscheduled disassembly rather than explosion. Because in your head, when you hear explosion, explosion's scary. Now, when you say rapid unscheduled disassembly, obviously it's not scary, but I think I in, in my head, I kind of hold both. I immediately translate rapid unscheduled disassembly to, to explosion, but I'm one step removed from it. So it's not quite the same impact. Do you, do you guys get what I'm saying or not? Well, yeah, that's the whole point of a lot of bureaucracies. I know, but it? I think it's so stupid that you do it. But then I think even if you know they're being, you know, like weird about it, it still kind of makes sense to do. I wonder what NASA calls it. Well, I actually started looking at where this came from because mm -hmm. that's my bent. And I mean, it, it started, it became popular. I'm just going to bore you a little bit with the history of it. In 2015, Elon Musk used it back then when there was another rapid unscheduled disassembly of a SpaceX rocket. Um, and then, but, but prior to that, which is where people say he got it from, it was big for gamers. Uh, a specifically game called Kerbal Space Program, which I've never played, so I know nothing about it. But they um, used that as a euphemism for my rocket blew up. So they would say my rocket went through experienced rapid unscheduled disassembly. But if you keep looking backwards, it actually goes back to the, the earliest I found was the 60s. U.S. Military Airlift Command magazine um, talked about that there could be a hazardous condition which could preface an unscheduled disassembly. This sort of gets me, though, because this is all really late 20th century and 21st century. I, I, I was kind of curious about this. I was looking at books on World War II, looking at, you know, various, like, uh, news. They didn't say anything like that. I couldn't find any euphemism except for the Nazis. The Nazis obviously did with, you know, all their extermination, etc., but the allies didn't seem to do it that much. And it's really interesting what I think as as companies, as countries get more bureaucratic, it becomes more common. Mm -hmm. And then they try to keep things away from people getting upset about it, I guess. That's like the military industrial, uh, whatchamacallit, isn't it? It's like I. Yeah, military industrial complex. It does seem to have a political. Yeah. I mean, because Orwell railed about the, you know, the, that sort of thing in the 1930s or 40s. But it wasn't that common. It didn't seem to me. And it seems quite common nowadays, but you well, know we know the reasoning. But I was going to say because your point, Ross, is like well taken when you said you like it better because it doesn't sound as immediate, and it doesn't. So it's like much cleaner. It's much it's yeah. much more clinical. It's like because um, I found a list when they were talking about spontaneous rapid dis disassembly event, and the other ones they had was for five. This is a new scientist 
that fire was an uncontrolled thermal event, bursting was an unplanned loss of containment, and a crash, this is my favorite actually, is deconstructive deceleration. I mean, <laughs> it's how insane. Beat that. It's <laughs> insane. But it does remove you from the from the the problem to some degree. Even if you know what really gets me the most is even if you know they're doing it, it still removes you one step away from the problem, even if you know it. Because you're not immediately saying crash. You're now saying, oh, deconstructive. Then you go backwards to, to sort of decode it. And therefore, it loses a lot of the emotional impact, I think. No pun intended with the impact, huh? Yeah, not sure. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't like it. Rapid unscheduled disassembly. I, I see the point, but I, I no. I like crash. But the question we have now, did that occur this is a new one here. By accident. It's a very good segue. Did that rapid disassembly event occur by accident or on accident? Fletcher? <laughs> okay. This is something we've brought it up at least briefly before. And I don't remember if that's what made me realize this or, or if I had already realized this. But on accident and by accident seems to be a generational thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so by accident is the correct phrase. I did something by accident, but people, even my age and younger, I would say far more commonly say on accident and, and, and sort mm-hmm. of just say either one. I mean, I hear both. I don't really hear people older than me say on accident. So I, no. I I seem to be sort of mm-hmm. sort of the cutoff line. So let let's say, let's say people on the cusp of Gen X and and millennials, which is sort of where I am. Personally, I I say both, and I and I have for a really long time. And I can easily explain to you why I think on accident became so common. You probably have thought of this too, and it's because you do something on purpose, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. So exactly. why not why not do something on accident also i want to say why do you have to do something on purpose like where did that come from why is on purpose correct why can't you do something by purpose well we didn't do this one (laughs) fletcher so i don't know (laughs) i think a lot of it comes with with uh, how prepositions are used there there are a lot of they're, they're idioms a lot of times they're used idiomatically and i think a lot of times we can't really find a reason they just happen that way and then it continues, and then it continues that usage. I mean, there's a Sunday Times uh, headline, visitors must promise that they are not smuggling any in by accident or on purpose, which, I mean, right there we see the juxtaposition of accident and purpose, and we don't even think about it unless we talk about it like like now, and I think it's just it just happens. What do you guys think? I'm going to first, well, I want to do a shout-out. It was Doug who had emailed about this. So I want to make sure he gets credit for making us think about this, even though I don't want to be thinking about it right now because I'm confused. (laughs) But I can't think of any specific reason. Why isn't it by purpose? You know, why not? I have no idea why. And I don't, I mean, I don't see any reason it can't be on accident at this point. As you said, these are, these phrases are used idiomatically on accident grates on people who are older than 45. Five or yeah, whatever, right? I gotta say, mm-hmm. as someone who's older than forty-four, but very by a very very small margin, um, I feel that way. I don't like on accident. It just sounds wrong. I mean, I, I there's no reason yeah. why I dislike it other than the fact that I've never heard it and it seems odd. 
Well, my son used it and uh, uses it. And when he first did, I thought he made it up. You know what I mean? I mean, I thought he it was like a, an error on him per, in terms of his own usage. And then, of course, you know, his friends came over. They're all going on accident. And, you know, then I go to mm-hmm. and I hear it all over the place. So I realize it's it just it kind of came out of the blue somehow. I have no idea how it did, though. I don't either. But, but I've heard it ever since I was a kid. You know, so it, it was around in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, among people my age. And again, I seem to be more or less the cutoff. Because I'm just saying, yeah, why not by purpose? I did it by purpose. Yeah, why can't you? I would never say it, but why can't you? Right. Yeah. But it's interesting because I'm going to jump ahead here because it's interesting we're talking about how they become idiomatic because I have a question for you, Fletcher. You're in a queue. Right. Trying to get a donut. Now, you're in a line. Are you standing... What are you standing? Are you standing? I'm definitely standing in line. Definitely ah, in line. Yeah. We've talked about this before. Now you're standing online. Right. And, but, but, yeah. but does anybody, I don't know, does anyone outside the Northeast say online? I suspect not. Not many. I don't. My wife is from Washington. She says in line like you do. In line to me sounds just really wrong doesn't it to you kathy oh Just god like... yeah I, I again this is another one because doug had that in there because he 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 hates it online and i'm like doug 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 doug, doug. <laughs> we gotta talk baby um no he stands online no i, I don't i don't i mean i don't think you do <laughs> i think i think you stand in line but people get really passionate about inline people really really get nasty about those of us who say online <laughs> it was interesting when i searched around Someone said people who say online are posers who are trying to sound English. It's like oh, wow. what? Wow. <laughs> no, mean, no, not at all. Really? Yeah, I don't think. I that's mean, you know, we lived in Hoboken. We lived in Hoboken, New Jersey, which is about as un-English as you can get, and everyone there was standing online <laughs> and with an accent. I might add, <laughs> online, I know. online. <laughs> no, but that's really an interesting problem. We we see like you know, it's just it's an exp- you see it right there. These are idiomatic terms. Interestingly enough, we did a Google search and uh, this is very unscientific but we found about 15 million um inline results and 4 million online results and we were both surprised there were so many online because on google engram online is tiny compared to it's like but that's because it's books and people are i know write like that stupid proper english stuff but i would write in a book i would write he stood online Actually, Wouldn't you're right. You? I, I, yeah. I don't, I, standing in line, I also was thinking about it. And to me, there's a slight, di- standing in line means like you're sort of, I don't know, it doesn't seem the same. It's just a different thing. Standing in line, I'm trying to think, standing in line, standing online, standing online, I'm waiting to get to the checkout thing. I'm standing online. Standing in line, I'm like, like we're, we're made to line up exactly behind the person in front of us or something. Do you see I don't know. That, that, seems, no. that seems a little. <laughs> that's really pushing it there, I think. <laughs> One tries, Ross. <laughs> anyway, it's online. <laughs> Trust me. Fletcher, you're wrong. But Fletcher, have you ever heard outside of uh, loudmouth Northeasterners saying... Uh, have you in ever line. heard online, online besides that? No, not? nowhere. Never. Really? Never. I, I, except except for people from your neck of the woods. Yeah. Wow. It always felt like one of those northeastern U.S. quirks, uh, of, of which you have many. So here, h- how about this? This is interesting. I, I, uh, 
I guess I think about elementary school a lot, both because I had a lot of fun then and also because both my parents were teachers. If you told a whole bunch of kids, let's say second graders, to, to stand on line, they would go crazy because there's no line to stand on. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. If, if you told them that's it, an when, interesting point. when you tell them to stand in line, they know what that means. But if you tell somebody so literal minded to go stand online, then it's they, like where the hell's the line? Yeah, you're gonna yeah. have a lot of trouble. Hmm. Unless you grew up in the New York, New Jersey area, where you heard your parents standing online, you know, waiting to check out. I wonder, because then you would know. I think you're right in terms of like kids in isolation yeah. or kids in Kansas. But I do think kids in Hoboken, New Jersey, even with their four, are going to be told to stand online. They're going to do what they should do. Don't you think? <laughs> I don't know. Because mm-hmm. mom stood online yesterday at the supermarket. You know, oh, so forever. Did... Forever. Sorry. Yeah. Forever. Yeah, I know. I know. I think... <laughs> oh so I don't God. know, Fletcher. That's an interesting point, though. The literal, the, the, you're basically saying literally they're going to take it as a literal direction. Right. But I'm not sure people really like we were talking earlier before the podcast on um, how how do we look at words? We look at words as total shapes. I think we look at online or inline in effect, even though they're two separate words as one thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. So I'm sorry. I I just got I got to share this one. I was just poking about the regional. This is like the most absurd (laughs) concept. Someone said. Maybe it's a regional difference in the way in is pronounced. Perhaps with a certain accent, in sounds close enough to on to cause the confusion. Someone said, no, "No, we know the difference between in and on, and we certainly don't pronounce them the same. (laughs) It's like they're trying here. (laughs) But shall we go on? To more prepositions, Ross? <laughs> yes, that's a very good segue, Kathy. Thank you. <laughs> Quickly, Fletcher, what is a preposition? I mean, we know, but this is like, we're not asking you literally, but we're asking. <laughs> do, you, do you know what they are? I don't know how to define that, no. And, you know, this goes to the thing I, the thing I say often, which is that I don't, I don't really know a lot of the technical stuff behind these behind how we're how we're speaking. No, nor should you. But it's sort of like, you know, pornography or something. You know one when you see one. Well, right. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's mostly true. I do mostly know a preposition when I see it. Yeah. It's a word. I mean, I'm going to do the technical definition. A word governing or usually and usually preceding. Usually goes before pre position pre <laughs> It's a na- and it usually goes before a noun or pronoun, and it expresses a relation to another word or element in the clause. The man on the platform, Kathy arrived after dinner, etc. Well, we also have them with the end. What did you do at four? Ending with the preposition. We've talked about that, but they're kind of a big deal. And I, Kathy found a wonderful example. I love this. I love Kathy. This. A- Kathy, ask Fletcher the question. The preposition okay. question. Actually, Ross is going to ask. This. I'm going to I'm going to read it, but Ross is asking the question because I would never ask you this. <laughs> okay. Ross asks you, "Can I put this knife on your leg?" Can it's I, a little odd. Can I put <laughs> this knife on your leg? On your yes. leg. Can I put this knife on your leg? So you'd think Ross is a little peculiar, but okay. Yeah. Sure, as long as you're not putting it in my leg. 
Precisely. That's it. The Can I put this knife in your is leg? It's important. <laughs> <laughs> Prepositions can be your friend or your enemy. <laughs> I mean, there's a little bit of debate, though. I mean, we said before, you know, you know, and you see it. But I have a quick question for you, Fletcher, because we have things that sort of act like prepositions, but they're OK. Um, don't go under is under a preposition or is it an adverb which modifies the verb go? Oh, OK. Don't well, go under what? yeah, I mean, I, I guess it, I guess the context might matter there because if you're just leaving off what I'm supposed to go under, then I think it's a preposition, right? There's a big debate. And I think this goes back to like, you know, earlier when you said, you know, you don't really know the technical definition. And I agree that, you know, I mean, it, it's nice to know it, but it's language is so fuzzy. Some yeah. people argue that under is a, is an adverb. Other people argue really saying under something, like you just said, context under mm. the water, don't go under whatever. So, I think the ultimate answer is who cares? You know, oh, it doesn't sure. really matter. <laughs> we kind of know what prepositions do, what under does, and that's the key, I think. Mm -hmm. So we're basically praising Fletcher for his inability to give us a precise <laughs> definition of prepositions. Thank you very much. And this is all I've wanted, really. <laughs> <laughs> Although, I'm sorry, I'm going to be really annoyed. Wouldn't go under be a phrasal verb? Very good point. There, that's another way of looking at it. That's again, I mean, that's why, I mean, I was just kidding when I, incidentally, when I said you didn't know the, because it doesn't really matter. We're using, the, unless you're a linguist, we're using these words and we, we're basically using them correctly. You're right. It could be a phrasal verb too, but it might not be. Ultimately, you're right. Who cares? Really? No. Can we also reiterate that it doesn't really matter if you end a sentence with a preposition? Oh, good God, no. Of course. I mean, no, yes, we can. No, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, no, we cannot do that. That, yeah, Ross had said that before. That is, is to this day, such a pet peeve of mine. And you see so many self-appointed, um, you know, grammarians mm -hmm. going like, you know, oh, can you rephrase that? It's, it's just dandy to end a sentence with a preposition. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. It's all like garbage that this is like a big rule that's been etched in stone. Nonsense. Period. Yeah, that goes back to, it's interesting because that goes, I think we did a talk on it a little mm -hmm. bit, but it goes back to a bunch of grammarians in the 17 and 1800s who loved Latin. Latin mm -hmm. does not have uh, sentences then with preposition. We said the word preposition is pre has comes for, you know, pre comes before. So it can't end like that. Latin is not English. Who cares if Latin didn't end with a preposition we're speaking english where we can and i think that's yeah. the bottom line on that i'm sorry this is actually a good segue because i ran across this and i think you did too russ um you just said pre post and everything this was where we we're looking at new prepositions that are coming out and one of which is not pre but is post but not as a prefix not as in post-war or post you know operation but okay post operation but use this preposition how are you doing post your operation this fascinates me and i'm finding more and more examples of that really post as prep yeah have you seen that yeah i have how about you fletcher now that you mention it maybe a little bit not a lot not a lot but maybe a little bit i think i hear it more conversationally than i than i read it i think yeah i say it i say it a lot actually do you yeah i do and it was interesting because I looked it up a little bit 
and a bunch of grammarians said it comes uh, post is obviously or not obviously it's Latin, and they were saying it's used just like the Latin. But then a, a, some linguist who really had a lot of time on his hands started trying to trace post, and he thinks in English the Latin word post is separate, and then it got tagged on to words like Kathy said post-war, and then he thinks it got decoupled from post-war. <laughs> And became post. So it didn't come directly from the Latin. It came from like a, a stuck on to post-war or whatever. And then it got deep, you know, just sort of ripped apart. And then it became a, a separate preposition again, which is sort of cool. I'm sorry. Can you rephrase? I'm confused a bit. Can you okay. This that? was an interesting linguistic sort of thing. People thought initially that uh, post as in, you know, post uh, my operation as a separate preposition basically came directly from how the the ancient Romans use it from Latin. But the linguists now think that actually it is not. It actually became a prefix as in post-war. And then and you then, just like truncated it and made it itself. And then it became, so it went like kind of, it went into like a non-Latin use as post-war and then it got ripped apart and then it got back to the original idea of a Latin usage. But it didn't come directly from the Latin. It came basically from an English usage, from an English idea. Huh, I like that. It's sort of cool. Because what I'm thinking of, it's kind of like, uh, okay, I'm, 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 I'm thinking off the top of my head, so I've had like an idiot at Fletcher edit it. <laughs> but it's sort of like with like things like Watergate or whatever, you know, you start attaching something all the time, and then yeah. it becomes the thing itself. Yeah, it does. But this case, though, the it's still a, in the gate thing, like, you know, whatever, the gate is still attached. In this case, Right, no, detached. I'm saying, but it starts out with the gate, and then you just say the gate, in effect. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Interesting. The gate becomes a word, and then now the gate becomes like a you know a separate word in this case. Yeah. In that case, it didn't come. That, that's interesting. I like that. But now we don't do that with pre, do we? We do, we say post. How are you doing post your operation? We said before. You don't say so. How are you doing pre your operation? Have you ever said pre? No. Ross. Never. Fletcher. Fletcher doesn't say post. So. <laughs> but Fletcher says misnomer correctly. So. <laughs> <laughs> Fletcher doesn't really what say misnomer at all, either. <laughs> Speaking about nomers, miss or otherwise, what do you guys think about because? Uh, that was like the huge thing, what, like 10 years ago? Because is a preposition, because this, because that. I love the way you say that, Kathy. What? Because. <laughs> That's the pronunciation. Uh-huh. <laughs> Online. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more. What do you mean? There was that whole thing um, when everything was because. Now I feel like I should say because, which I can't say. It's because. Um, it was saying that because became a preposition. Because he would go like, um, oh. why are you doing that? Because, because internet, because reasons, yes. because this. That, yeah, yeah. That, definitely. An, that's a very online thing. Yeah, online, yeah. Uh, meaning, meaning internet. Um, meaning the other online. Yeah. Oh, God, this is so confusing. Yeah, that's, that's something that, that definitely came about because of the internet, right? I can't imagine it didn't. Yeah, it was totally It's really, that. it's just cheeky. But that's the whole thing. There's now, because I was looking when we we're talking about prepositions, there's a whole hoo-ha about is because ever a preposition or is that a misnomer? <laughs> I don't think the, uh, I, uh, you know, I said, the, the argument against because being a preposition was because it does, it, it, functions in non-prepositional ways but then 
there was an article that showed how a lot of other prepositions function in non-prepositional ways too. I think ultimately the bottom line is, does it really matter in that sense? We're using because in various ways, and then we're defining it, unless we're descriptive linguists, I don't, is it that big of a deal to like call it a, a preposition or not? Do you think, I think it's a preposition. In, in that instance? Well, a lot of the argument against because was that because is used in non-prepositional ways. It's used like, an, we went through this earlier with adverbs, it's used like an adverb. Mm-hmm. It's used with interjections where it wouldn't normally be used as a preposition. I mean, it, prepositions aren't normally used this way, yet because is. But does it really matter? A lot of prepositions are used in ways that technically aren't prepositional, but we still call them prepositions. So I agree with you. I, I, I get really weary of, of it's what I would say before of people being like, so pick, 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 whatever. We understand what we're talking about. Who cares? You want to call it a preposition? Fine. You, you yeah, I think it's fine. interesting if you're like really a linguist, and you really want to get into like, do we have very distinct terms with language? But as we've gone on here, we, we realize language is really fuzzy. And English, oh, is God, like yeah. the, and English is about as fuzzy as you can get. I mean, English oh, is yeah. like a crew cut, you know, with fuzz. So well, I, I, I don't think, think that... of crew cuts as fuzzy, though. I think of them more as nubby. I don't know. No, <laughs> I had a crew cut when I was a kid, and it was fuzzy. <laughs> I had one when I was a punk, and it was nubby. <laughs> if there's anything that we know about the English language, it's that it's very nubby. <laughs> <laughs> You're Saying It Wrong is part of the NPR Podcast Network and is produced by me, Fletcher Powell, in the studios of KMUW in Wichita, Kansas. Kathy Petrus records from her home in Granada, Spain. Ross Petrus records from his home in Toronto, Ontario in Canada. Our digital team is Beth Golay and Carly Cooper. If you like what we're doing here on the show, please tell everyone you know and leave us a rating and a review on your podcast platform of choice. If you have a question for Kathy and Ross, you can tweet it at us. We're at YSIWpod. Kathy and Ross are at K&R Petrus. I'm at Fletcher underscore Powell. Or you can email me at Powell at KMUW.org or email them at K&R Petrus at gmail.com. The book, You're Saying It Wrong, was published by 10 Speed Press, and you can find that and Kathy and Ross's other books pretty much anywhere you get books. We recommend your local independent bookstore. And a number of their books are also available on audiobook, read by the authors themselves. Kathy and Ross are always up to something. You can find out more about what they're doing at their website, kandrpetras.com. That's K-A-N-D-R-P-E-T-R-A-S.com. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks.